0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is BELIEVE.
1: Hello and welcome to episode number 173 of the Draft Analyst presented by the Belief Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and it is officially draft season, with the senior bowl now in the rearview mirror. And what that means for this podcast is that you all get to hear much less of our voices and much more of those of actual NFL draft prospects. This week's guest is former Northwestern and Indiana quarterback Peyton Ramsey, who had the pleasure of transferring during a pandemic season where his conference nearly canceled the entire fall campaign. You already know most of our thoughts on the whole situation, but now you'll get to hear how this unique off season and regular season affected a player who is entering a new program.
0: And Peyton Ramsey was one of the more fun quarterbacks to watch the past two years. I, I mean, he really took that Indiana program 2019 uh, after uh, he was put back into the starting lineup, uh, got him to a bowl game. And this year, I, I mean, Northwestern they had a great defense, but you know, the offense did its job. They won the Western division of the big 10 played in the big 10 title game. Uh, more of a, uh, you know, an RPO type of quarterback. It'll be interesting to get his thoughts on the transfer from Indiana to Northwestern and, and basically what happened during this COVID riddled season. And we'll get right into today's show and talk to Peyton Ramsey in just a
1: moment after a word from our sponsor. The Super Bowl is here and you can get in on all the action at betonline.ag. And it's not just the game you can bet on Tony. There are even lines for the commercials. For example, the over-under on how many commercials will have dogs in them is 4.5, with a very strong lean to the
0: over. Did the dogs have to bark or just be in the commercials, I wonder? I wonder if they do have a line for the number of commercials that have dogs barking in them. They did not from what
1: I saw, but you never know. I didn't scroll down the whole page. But to the game, Tampa Bay is the first team in history to play for the NFL title on its home field. Currently a three point five point underdog against Kansas City, which is looking for back to back titles for the first time
0: in almost two decades. Bet online has hundreds of props on the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even length of the national anthem. I think that's probably about what two minutes and thirty seconds. Always available online or on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Now, without further ado. Tony and I would like to welcome Peyton Ramsey to the show. Peyton, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and thanks so much for joining us tonight.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. Now,
1: we'll get right into it here, starting with your high school days. Now, you played high school ball in Cincinnati, and you were offered by the Bearcats, along with ACC schools like Boston College and Wake Forest and Big Ten schools like Illinois and Indiana. What played the biggest role in your decision to commit to the Hoosiers?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I've always been a Big Ten kid and uh, grew up in the heart of a Big Ten country. Um, Indiana was on the come up and I saw that coming uh, with, with Kevin Wilson and Kevin Johns and the offense that they had been building and the culture. And I think the opportunity to play close, you know, somewhat close to home so that my parents could be at every game. I think there's a bunch of different things that went into it. And, uh, and I think I made a really good decision.
0: You know, you redshirted in 2016 and then rotated with Richard Legal uh, in September the following season. What were your main challenges? What were the main challenges in taking over every snap on the center of the first month? And what was the biggest challenge for you once you took over the full time job before your knee injury derailed you that season?
2: Yeah, you know, I think I was a young guy at the time. I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. So trying to. Trying to learn the ropes of being a college quarterback and everything that 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 entails, you know, that's not just a playbook. That's, you know, learning a, a locker room and um, developing as a leader and, and growing as a guy in the locker room. And I think that was more than anything, um, you know, you know, proven to guys that that even though I'm a young guy, a young quarterback especially, that I'm able to do this and I'm capable of doing so. And I think once guys started to buy into who I was and and see that I was capable of making plays, I think I I got that confidence and just kind of started rolling.
1: Now you mentioned Roland, you played that whole 2018 season after that, but then after the year, heading into the next season, 2019, you lost your starting job to a redshirt freshman, Michael Penix Jr. Ironic, because you kind of took over when you were a redshirt freshman. Were you surprised when Coach Tom Allen made that decision? And what were your feelings? What were you thinking when you learned that you had to, you know, step aside?
2: Yeah, I was I was very surprised. I was I was taken back. You know, I, I remember getting a call to head up to his office and, uh, you know, thinking I was going to get some good news. But unfortunately, I was on the other side of that chair that time. And um, it was a tough pill to swallow. It really was. Um, But, you know, I just, you know, continued to battle and kind of leaned on the guys in the locker room that I trusted and and cared about. And um, they really got me through it. Those were the guys that kind of pushed me through it. And um, it was a tough time in my career, but I think I learned a lot about myself and, uh, um, you know, I think I'm a better man for it.
0: Pennix gets hurt in 2019. You get your job back and you play really well. Indiana was a fun team to watch when you were under center in 2019. Get your team back into a ball game, then you decide to transfer. What were the underlying reasons for your transfer to Northwestern? Was it just playing time? Were there other issues? Were there other reasons why you decided to uh, you transfer out?
2: No, you know, um, I did. I accomplished the the first goal that I set out. Uh, When I went to Indiana, that was to graduate. And, um, you know, obviously they had made it clear, Coach Allen and and the staff had made it clear that they were going to go with youth and they were going to play Mike and um, great decision. As you can see this year, Uh, unbelievably talented kid, awesome person. Um, But they made it clear that um, it was his time and uh, I graduated. So I felt comfortable enough to to kind of step aside and, and
1: go my separate way. Now, when you first lost the job to Mike, did transferring cross your mind then or was it not really on your on your mind until after the year?
2: You know, I'll go back to that that question that you asked and, and graduating was always number one. So I, I didn't you know, I never thought about about transferring after I wasn't named a starter. Um, you know, I was going to stick it out. There was never a question um, and I was going to battle through it, um, you know, and, and just kind of kind of learn from it and try to be the best teammate, the best player that I could be. And, you know, I loved Indiana. Like, I, I loved it as a place, as, a, as an institution, as a football program. Um, it brought me a lot of joy, and uh, I, I never thought about about leaving after that, you know, 2019 decision.
1: No, a week after you decided on Northwestern is kind of when everything shut down across the U.S. due to COVID-19. How did the pandemic affect the offseason for you as somebody who is a graduate transfer to a completely new football program?
2: Yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, you don't know names. You don't know faces. You don't know the offense. Uh, you don't know, you know, you don't know anything. And um, it was a difficult thing to, to try to build relationships with guys. You know, it started with, with, you know, text messages and, and me driving from Cincinnati to Evanston to work out on a random field and to try to get to know guys and uh, zoom meetings to learn the offense. So it was a tough time, but you know, there were guys that were very helpful and guys that welcomed me in with open arms, coaches, players, administration, you name it. And um, you know, that, that kind of made all the difference for me and, and building confidence with a new team and a new offense. And, you know, like I said, there's so many great guys in that roster that that kind of helped me through it.
0: Let's go back to August of last summer. First, the Mac says they're going to postpone their season to the spring. Pac-12 and the Mountain West follow suit and boom, the big 10 initially drops the hammer and says that they're going to suspend their season till the spring. You know, what were your initial thoughts when you heard that news and did you have any expectations that, you know, was there any glimmer of hope that, Hey, maybe they will reverse this decision and play this fall. No,
2: I mean, it was hard. It was, I think, I think we all saw it coming. Um, just a couple days before they shut down. You know, it, the writing was kind of on the wall for us. So we saw it coming, but it, it you know, it hurt just as bad. Um, the, the thought of reversing the decision was, was never something that I saw coming. I thought, I thought we were dead in the water and, um, you know, we weren't going to have the opportunity to play till the spring, but, uh, you know, thankfully they found a way to, to, to get our eight game, nine game season in this year, this year and allow us to play. Because um, I can tell you nine games is, is better than zero. You
1: now, aside from COVID and the shortened season, what were the main differences between your time at Indiana and the one year you spent at Northwestern?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think the, the way that I bonded with the guys in the locker room, and I think, you know, that's probably a product of, of COVID, but, um, you know, all we had was each other, and I built a lot of relationships, and that's not to say that I didn't at Indiana, but, uh, but so many like, like-minded guys, and, um, you know, guys that we did every single thing together um, every single day, whether that be, you know, after practice, all we can do is hang out and play video games with each other or or hang out and talk and play cards or you name it. Like it's all we had was each other. So um, you asked the question without, without COVID. Well, you know, COVID made made a big difference in, you know, the way that we as student athletes lived and um, kind of went about our day to day. So, you know, just an unbelievable group of guys that I had the opportunity to spend time with and get to know in a, in a six-month period.
0: You know, you say COVID, you, you know, made, it, made a difference day-to-day. Day. When the season started and you saw teams like Ohio State basically canceling games, were you on pins and needles during the week sort of saying, you know, I hope we get to play this, the game this weekend. I hope our team, you know, our opponent doesn't have to cancel because of COVID. Was it that sort of situation through the season?
2: You know, I think we did a good job of of kind of just focusing on what we could control. Um, and by the end of the season, by mid season, we knew as a team that you know we had we had two positive tests the entire year, and they both happened on Christmas Eve. So we went the entire season without a COVID test. So I think we were confident in ourselves. Um, like, you know what, guys, we're fine. We're doing the right thing. We're making the right decisions socially. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and, and we tried not to focus on the other team and. You know, we did have that one game versus Minnesota canceled. But other than that, you know, there wasn't fear or panic that we were going get, to get canceled. We did a good job of just focusing every week on what we can control and, and being ready to play on
0: Saturday. Well, if you had just two positive tests all season and they were Christmas Eve, you guys at Northwestern were absolutely doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we did. And
2: that's a credit to our guys, just socially. Um, I think young guys it was really hard on um, just coming into college. First time, and, and they did a great job. Um, hats off to them because I know it would have been tough if I was a freshman, but they did an unbelievable job.
1: And that kind of segues a little bit into into the next question here, which well, I want to talk a bit about Coach Pat Fitzgerald, and you know, certainly maybe there was some things that he did or the coaching staff as a whole that kind of you know helped you guys in the sense of, you know, just being responsible and not going out there, getting um, positive tests and having games canceled, at least on your accord. But what was your relationship with coach Fitzgerald like, and and how would you compare him to Tom Allen, who you played for at Indiana?
2: Coach Fitz is is the the best coach I've ever played for. Um, He is, he's an unbelievable motivator leader. Um, You know, the way he speaks to his team and treats us like professionals is just, um, it is off the charts and I have so much respect for him and, um, you know, I think the biggest difference, um, and, and one's, one style is not better than the other, but coach Fitz is so calm and, and laid back and poised and, uh, just the way he leads, he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get phased. He's just the same dude all the time. And, and I think as a quarterback, I, I really came to appreciate that. And coach Allen is the more, you know, fiery, energetic, jump up and down and, and that kind of style. And like I said, you know, I don't think one's better than the other, but, um, you know, I, I really appreciated the way that Coach Fitz kind of came every single day. Um, his attitude on a consistent basis was something that I really admired and, and, and you know, trying to take with me as, as I continue to be a leader.
0: Well, I mean, now we know why Coach Fitz is always talked about as a potential head coach in the NFL whenever, op- whenever there are job openings. And, you know, I got to ask you, as November and December rolled around, more so November, the talk about NFL teams approaching Pat Fitzgerald, specifically the way they were playing at the time, the Chicago Bears, going after Pat Fitzgerald for a potential uh, job opening, the chatter started to get louder and louder. Were you guys in the locker room aware of that, that the NFL you know, was talking about coming after Pat Fitzgerald and he was a hot name as far as a, a coaching prospect for the next level? Absolutely. We heard, we heard the rumblings, you know, we,
2: we get, we're on Twitter. Uh, we see this stuff on social media, but um, you know, he, he acknowledged it without acknowledging it. Um, he would drop subtle comments to, to kind of assure the guys that, you know, he was coming back and that this is home for him. And um, you know, I think, I think when coach Fitz says those kinds of things, and I, th- I think he's a coach that you can trust and, and that you can believe when he says, when he drops those hints and, um, You know, he continued to do that and kind of assure, the, especially the young guys and the recruits, that that he was going to be back. Um, And as you can see, he's uh, just signed a decade deal, so he'll be there. Um, He's not going anywhere. He loves that place, and uh, he makes it very special.
1: Now, everybody loves an underdog, which is why a lot of people probably root for Northwestern, may not be an underdog much longer, as you kind of said with Coach Fitz there. But this year, a lot of people were upset that the Big Ten changed the rules at the last minute to allow Ohio State to – take part in the big 10 title game. And then even more people were rooting for Northwestern as a result of the decision. Were you aware of the pushback that Ohio state was receiving because of their last minute decision or any extra support that you had during the big 10 title game?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I was definitely aware of it. You know, I, you know, I, I come from Indiana. I was there for four years. Um, I still follow the entire Indiana faithful on, on social media. And, um, <laughs> I recognize their, uh, they're, they were upset about it, and, um, you know, I don't have an opinion on it. You know, a, a decision was made, and, um, you know, we got to play a really good Ohio State team that, you know, I think that you dream about doing in a Big Ten title game. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I don't have an opinion on it. Maybe if I played at in Indiana, I would. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was an awesome opportunity for us to go out and play and, um, you know, kind of something that I was dreaming about doing. So it was, uh, it was awesome for me.
0: Speaking about uh, Indiana and, and dreaming of doing something, you know, after Northwestern locks up the Western division of the Big Ten, were you secretly hoping to meet Indiana in the conference title game? You know, I, I really didn't want to play Indiana. Um, you know, just all those guys. I had,
2: I had met so many great people along the way. And um, I think the emotional roller coaster and the media circus that it would have been kind of would have taken away from just playing in a big 10 title game. Um, trust me, I would have, I would have gladly ran out there and, uh, and played my heart out if you were playing the Hoosiers. But um, a big part of me was, was kind of glad that, you know, I didn't play against them. I, I had no hard feelings against, against Indiana or anybody there. So it's not like I needed a revenge game or it was out to, to, to crush Indiana. You know, I just, I was happy to be playing in the big 10 title game and, um, it all worked out the way it was supposed to.
1: Now, obviously when you first went to Northwestern, you figured, this is it. This is my final year. Obviously the whole COVID situation, the NCAA allowed players to take an extra season of eligibility, um, you know, for people who may not have normally had that. Was that something you ever gave any serious thought to, or was it always the NFL after the season for you?
2: You know, I thought about it. I thought about coming back and an opportunity to, to take a sixth year, um, but that's a lot of college football, you know, and, and I, you know, I was fortunate enough to play when I was a young kid um, as a redshirt freshman. So I played a lot of ball and um, I'd put my best foot forward, you know, and I, I worked really hard and I got better and I did a lot of really cool things and saw a lot of cool places. And uh, it felt like the right time to move on and, and pursue my dream. Um, you know, I'll turn, I'll turn 24 next fall. And uh, that feels like a, a, a pretty pretty big number to be still playing in, in college so I was ready to move on and I'm um, happy with my decision
0: you know it was it was sort of a weird year for the postseason all-star game specifically you no know, shrine game which I'm sure uh, you, you would have got to, uh, to, to participate in but you did participate in the college gridiron showcase one of the few pr- uh, postseason uh, scouting events that I've never attended what was that like what what, what was the rig- what was the daily routine like there
2: yeah, you know, I think it was tough. Uh you know, I think a little bit condensed from what it usually is. Um we had the opportunity one day to uh you know, all thirty two teams were represented. And um they had the opportunity to call guys in for interviews and um, you know, start that process of, of interviewing and communicating with teams and then we had a day of, of field work uh where we were out throwing, you know, routes on air and, and doing some quarterback specific stuff. So uh it was a good experience uh met a lot of cool guys and i think that's one of the cooler parts about those all-star games is guys come from all over and you get the opportunity to meet to meet a bunch of different guys
0: was there any one pass catcher or receiver that you were thrown to that really stood out to you on the one on the uh day you were out on the field working out
2: uh you know i don't know there's a bunch of good players um off the top of my head man i've been all over the place lately meeting a bunch of different people so i, I don't have anybody off the top of my head but there were some there was definitely some good players down there
1: now obviously we're not going to have an nfl combine this year unless something were to change in the next week here or so but what does your draft training plan look like over the next few months and do you know anything about a potential pro day for northwestern players
2: yeah absolutely so i'm, I'm down in tampa training right now um training with a quarterback coach by the name of john Kaleo. um really enjoying it so far uh, you know it's been off down here and, and trying to get ready for our pro day which is scheduled for March 9th and um, got a bunch of guys a bunch of Northwestern guys coming out and trying to trying to chase their dreams so uh, our pro day will be uh, be busy for sure with uh, with a bunch of good players there so I'm looking forward to it
0: what's the name of the facility where you're training uh yo Murphy performance okay Now, has there been any, I know that around the country, a lot of these training facilities are talking about holding their own pro day because there's a real possibility that in States like California, Oregon, Washington, some other States, they may not allow the schools to have pro days. Has your training facility talked about having a pro day of their own?
2: I was under the impression that that is,
0: uh, that
2: is not an, an opportunity for anybody to do this year, unless that rule has been changed. But um I'm under the impression that, that we're not permitted to do so. If, uh, if we are able to, that would be great. Cause I'm, I got some dudes down here that, that I could throw to, but, um, but yeah, if that's, if that's an opportunity for us, I would love to be able to participate, but I have not heard, not heard otherwise.
1: And now you played this year with several guys who are also set to be NFL draft picks. What kind of relationships were you able to foster with guys like Greg Newsom, Ernest Brown, and any others in, kind of a strange year. You mentioned kind of how everyone was close because of COVID, but what about kind of the guys that are going to move on to the NFL with you?
2: Yeah, it was a tight locker room. You got to know everybody and Greg is an awesome, awesome player. Um, You know, so confident in his ability and trust himself and built a great relationship with him and Ernie, uh, like you mentioned, another, another great player, even though Rashawn Slater are, are off the tackle, didn't play and I didn't get the opportunity to, to spend a lot of time with him I I I did get to meet him and um and chatted up with him a little bit and a very impressive person um we got a couple receivers and a tight end uh Riley Lees Ramad Bowman and uh John Rain those guys some of my best friends that that I have been in constant communication with so I mean it's you know it's been awesome to meet those guys and just continue to move forward and chase our dream together.
0: It's almost like you read the script because you, you stole my next two questions. So my, my question is, is, you know, obviously did you get to meet Rashawn Slater? You said that you had, was he at the school facility, the training facility, or was he on campus a lot? No, he was, uh, so it was in the summer before the season got
2: got canceled and, uh, you know, we were out there cha- training from about June to, to August together and, uh, you know, I got to know him and, and work out with him. And like I said, just, a, just an impressive person, um, impressive work ethic, and uh, just a joy to be around.
0: You mentioned John Rain, and he is rarely spoken about in scouting circles. And, and I think it's really discredit because you watch him play. He's been a good player for the past two years, uh, you, you know, tight end, H-back type. What can you tell us about John Rain, and how does he compare to Peyton Hendershot of Indiana, who I believe was one of your favorite targets in 2019.
2: Yeah. I mean, John's an awesome player, awesome person as well. Uh, One of my best friends Um, as is Peyton Hendershot. It's funny that you mentioned him. Uh, I think they're different players. I think, uh, you know, Hendershot has, has that size and um, you know, he's lankier uh, but they're, they're both really good route runners. Um, They know how to get open. And I think uh, especially in this day and age of football, if you can't beat man coverage, especially as a tight end, and, um, then you're almost worthless. And both of those guys, you know, they had that, that opportunity and that ability. And, you know, I saw John uh, grow tremendously as a, as a blocker, as a run blocker this year as well. And um, it's because he cares and he, and he put a lot of time and effort into, into getting better at it. And that, That's where Peyton Hendershot excels is, is in the run game. And, uh, you know, and John is, is well on his way to becoming a really, really good blocker.
1: Now we always like to ask players how they would kind of self-scout themselves. So Peyton, if you were a team watching your film, what would you say are your biggest strengths as a quarterback?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you look at decision-making and uh, getting the ball out of my hands and making the right decision, completing, completing passes is is kind of the name of the game. Uh, if you can't complete passes, you know, in college mm-hmm. or the NFL, you're not going to win very many football games. Um, mm-hmm. And then the ability to extend plays and make plays, I think uh, more than ever, our game is, uh, you know, has turned into being able to impro- improvise and um, and do things off script. So I would say those those couple of things are, are where I really excel.
1: Conversely, where would you say you need to improve? Yeah,
2: you know, I think consistently making uh, making every throw on the field, um, just continuing to prove that I can do so. Uh, got a lot more confident throwing the ball down the field. You know, my last couple of years. Um, And just need to continue to prove that I can do that and make every throw on the field.
0: Well, Peyton, listen, thanks so much for joining us. You've been an enjoyable player to watch the past two years. Congrats on your success this year at Northwestern. I mean, playing in the big 10 title game was something you guys were close. I know a lot of people were rooting for you, Ohio state. they're, They're just, they're just at another level from a talent point of view, but you guys still did a great job. Good luck on your pro day. Good luck on draft weekend. And hopefully we'll be seeing you play on Sundays next year.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Peyton. Now, before we wrap up this week's show, we will quickly run through the Sun Belt film from the 2020 season. First question for you, Tony: Which player surprised you most when you watched the Sun Belt film?
0: You know, it was an interesting season in the Sun Belt. You had Coastal Carolina, who had the uh, the undefeated season, beat uh, BYU, then lost a close game, uh, in the uh, lost a close bowl game, I should say. You had Appalachian State, who had a solid season. I think the player who probably played better than anybody expected was Jonathan Adams. Jonathan Adams, the receiver from Arkansas State, six two and a half, two hundred eight pounds, played exceptionally well. I had him graded as a as a priority free agent coming into the season. Scouts had him graded as a street free agent. Right now, you're looking at Jonathan Adams. If he gets to run and if he gets to work out, you're probably looking at a guy that's going to be sixth, seventh round. Uh, Arkansas State didn't have the best year, but Jonathan Adams showed up week in and week out and made big plays. Watch the Kansas State game where he where he helped lead can uh, help lead Arkansas State uh, to to stay close in that game. I thought uh, he was terrific throughout the season. I think he's going to be a real good possession receiver with sneaky speed at the next level. As I said, I haven't graded his late round pick. Uh, at the very least, I think he's a guy that can make that can make an NFL roster as a fifth receiver. On the flip side, Tony. Who's the biggest disappointment in the conference? Yeah, I'm going to go with another receiver, Khalil McLean of Troy. This was a guy who some scouts graded as early as the fifth round. He played like a like barely a street free agent throughout the season. He's got terrific size, six foot three, 220 pounds, runs in the low four fives, but he was just not very productive this year. Not very active. Really wasn't all that active a year ago. And I think what was happening was scouts looked at those size speed numbers, figured he was going to his season would take off or his career would take off. Never really happened. So I, I think it's very doubtful that Khalil McLean of Troy is selected in the draft, which is a far cry from the fifth round grade that scouts had him stamped as coming into the year.
1: Now, McClain might be a guy that scouts overrated heading into the season, at least based on what he did afterwards. But right now, who are scouts
0: overrating from the Sun Belt? You got to look at Josh Johnson, the uh, running back from Louisiana Monroe graded as a six-round pick was just not very productive this year. Really, never got on the schneid. Struggled to uh, be uh, really have any sort of consistency in his game. Again, a guy who came into the season as a early sixth, late fifth-round choice. I doubt that Josh Johnson gets selected in the draft.
1: Now the last question I have for you here, Tony: Which player saw their draft grade change the most based on what they did during the 2020 campaign?
0: It's got to be Adams. I mean, you look at Adams, he was great as a street-free agent, and now he's a potential late-round pick. That's it for the
1: 173rd episode of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. Special thanks go out to Peyton Ramsey for joining the show today, and we'll be back next week with more on the 2021 NFL Draft. Until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.